0: The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member. And we don't mean your Aunt Dolores. You stink. The TNT Shop has it all at
1: TNTradio.live. James Freeman on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report ladies and gentlemen. It is the end of another turbulent week on planet Earth and I would be lying if I didn't say that I'm thankful it's Friday and that I can take some stock over the weekend because next week is going to be a momentous week in our fight for freedom, liberty and justice. Julian Assange must be freed Uh, for him and his family, and for liberty to be assured for freedom-loving people around the world. Those who have done this to Julian should also face justice, not just for what they've done to him, but for the crimes that they committed in our name and continue to commit in wars around the world. Sadly, though, I fear justice won't be done in this respect, But I do think there is a reckoning coming for those who prop up the system that cares nothing for truth, compassion and humanity. And while Julian's plight has dragged on for more than a decade after entering the Ecuadorian embassy all the way back in August 2012, we must not become weary of the fight to free him. That would be to surrender to those who want to take away our basic and inalienable rights to free speech and our right to call out evil when we see it. It is Friday, the 16th of February, 2024. My name is James Freeman and on today's show, um, we'll be gearing up for the momentous week ahead here on today's news talk, TNT. Now, before I move on to today's show, I'd like to remind you all of the premiere of The Trust Fall, um, Julian Assange, which is taking place this Sunday at 1pm at the Rio Cinema in central London. Now, I did check this morning and there are still some tickets on sale. So if you fancy attending, get yourself over to Eventbrite right now and secure your tickets. A number of hosts from TNT will be attending and there will be a panel Q&A and discussion after the film, which has been supported by TNT. If you cannot make it, then please, please help us make some noise over the weekend by sharing posts online. Um, I've just reposted a link to the film this morning, which was originally posted by Stella Assange. So get yourself over to X and share it via my profile. We must We must ensure that whatever happens next week, the eyes of the world are focused on what happens. So please do your bit in helping to raise awareness. We'll be doing our bit at TNT next week, as this is our job as journalists to shine a light into the dark corners that the powerful want to be kept in darkness. Okay, let's move on to today's show, because while wars are raging around the world and while we gear up for 140 plus elections this year, something curious is currently taking place in the background that most people are totally oblivious to. This week, the Office for National Statistics confirmed that the UK economy slipped into recession in the fourth quarter of last year. So all doom and gloom on the economic front then. Well, not exactly. Because while this was being announced, Bitcoin broke through the $50,000 level, along with a wider explosion in crypto prices over the past few weeks. Um, Some crypto assets, which have real potential um, for real world utility, have seen gains of more than 150% over the past couple of weeks while most good projects and coins see gains of around 20% or so. So, what is driving this frenzy in the face of the challenging economic conditions that we're seeing across the globe? Is this just empty speculation in a worthless casino, or is there something substantive going on in the crypto market? I already know the answer to this, um, but to discuss the detail about what is going on, I'm delighted to announce that Prince Philip Karadjordovic um, will be joining me once again following his first appearance on the show at the tail end of last year. After working in the City of London for many years, Philip now works in the crypto market, so he knows a, two, a thing or two about the markets and what is happening at the moment. Now, I have to be honest, you can probably see by the smile on my face um, that I'm delighted um, to be speaking about the crypto market, um, as I very rarely get to speak about it. Um, It is an asset class that I believe um, will take its next steps to becoming mainstream over the next two years. So... Um, if making money is um, your objective, this is a conversation that you don't want to miss um, if you know nothing about what has taken place this year. Um, as You definitely don't want to be one of those people saying, I wish I'd known what was happening in retrospect two years from now. My second guest today is Sarah Newlin, um, who began writing while she was studying for a degree, initially writing about psychology and criminology issues. However, like many of us, in March 2020, during the first lockdown, Sarah found a new topic to write about. So no prizes for guessing what that topic is. Um, Sarah describes herself as just an ordinary mum who wants to keep life free for her daughter and all of the other children growing up in this frightening world where truth is being rewritten in real time. Now, I've been reading some of Sarah's material and she's a really interesting lady with a real talent for writing. So stay tuned for that discussion in the second half of today's show. If you want to get in touch about anything on the show or just to say hi, then email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And if you love a good documentary, then listen up, because TNT is now showing special screenings uninterrupted at the weekends. Um, my documentary, UK CV Family, a letter to my MP, all about vaccine injuries aired last weekend, along with other groundbreaking films. So if you're interested, then check out TNT's website for more information. My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for today's News Talk TNT. Giving you what you want. I want the fact. Today's News Talk Radio TNT. Good morning, Gemma. Just having a sneaky sip of my cup of tea there. How are you doing, Gemma?
2: I'm doing very well. I'm always so suspicious, though, of uh, crypto. I always think to myself that sounds suspiciously like central digital digital banking currencies but i'm very happy to be proved wrong uh by your guest today and very happy to hear what i've been missing uh you know I, I i'm open to all things i've not got a closed mind despite my advancing years but i've always thought to myself <laughs> oh this is this is this has got this has got cdbc's written all over it but, but i'm you know like, like i say could be wrong
1: Gemma, I heard you describe yourself as middle-aged on um, um, on um, Rick's show. I think that's pushing it. Um, and I have to say I'm in the same age bracket, so that's not um, necessarily a one-up on you. Um, look, you know, if if I drove a car, um, I heard someone say this, and I think it's a good analogy. If I drove a car into a crowd and mowed loads of people down, you wouldn't necessarily call for banning cars and say that cars are bad, would you? No. Right. Okay. Well, this is the same with, um, you know, digital money. Um, You know, actually, there is a thing called um, DeFi, which is decentralized finance. And what that actually promises, um, decentralized finance, is removing the middleman from all of our transactions so that you can bank, you can get insurance, you can get all of the financial services that you get today. But without those people in the middle taking their cut. So there's lots of positive things about crypto and CBDCs. um, The reason that they're bad is because they're centralized, because, you know, if they're linked to digital ID, then essentially they can be controlled. But that's true of everything. Like I said, I could jump in my car and mow loads of people down. But that doesn't mean cars are bad. So there, I hope that helped your understanding of um, the difference between crypto and CBDCs.
2: Well, i'm certainly going to listen to the show as i often do you know with absolute interest to, to like you say i don't want to be one of those people that, that that says oh my god if only i'd known you know i could have made a bit of cash so yeah i want to i want to hear what what uh, what your guest has to say definitely
1: yeah and i will say as well you know um it's really important this if you don't know anything about crypto but you are thinking of investing Never, ever put more money than you can afford to lose because, you know, they are still very, very high risk compared to other um, things that you can invest your money in, like precious metals or or the stock market. They are very, very risky. So never, ever put any more money than you can afford to lose. Really, really important that.
2: Good advice there, James. And of course, on TNT, we're not providing financial advice. We just get guests on to talk yes. about their areas of expertise. Exactly. So that's
1: all we do. Exactly. Yeah. So what have you got for us today then, Gemma?
2: Well, it's a very interesting U-turn in the last hour from our, our friend Zelensky, Vladimir Zelensky. Um, he's at the Munich Security Conference, which is now in its 60th year, where people, globalists, I say people, they, they're globalists without a doubt, uh, get together around the table to talk about the world's most pressing security challenges. And Ukraine is set to be top of the list. Zelensky arrived in Munich this morning. But within the last hour, he has tweeted um, that to say, and this is a, this is a U-turn almost, that Ukraine is now making every effort to end the war in the most fairest terms possible for Ukraine uh, and ensure a lasting poli- uh, peace solution. He's put that on X. Uh, it's get generating a huge amount of response because of course he's previously insisted that you know Ukraine would not cease fire until it's pushed back all Russian forces and it would never ever um, agree to any terms where we' involved a, giving up Ukrainian soil so to be just tweeting or xing however you wanted to describe it <laughs> this uh, <laughs> in the last hour says you know I may, Ukraine is making every effort to end the war on fair terms and ensure lasting peace now. You have to ask the question, James, and I'm asking you: Is this because the money is running out? Uh, because obviously, you know, the the, the Congress is holding up the vote on um, U S. support. Uh, the UK is coming under increase, uh, increasing fire for the amount of money we've been giving Ukraine. Uh, is this because of the Putin interview, where some are saying Putin came across as quite measured, saying he doesn't want to invade anywhere really; he just wants to sort Ukraine out. He doesn't want World War Three. Whether or not we believe him is a, another story. Uh, or is there a genuine peace deal? On the cards at this Munich security conference. But it's quite a U turn. It's quite a thing to tweet on a Friday. Uh, But he has. uh, And and reaction, obviously, worldwide is like, oh, we, we weren't quite expecting that because he's been so gung ho with we will never surrender. We will, you know, we will conscript. We will take people off the streets. We will do anything possible. Now he's saying they're negotiating for peace, allegedly.
1: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> what to make of this i mean first observation is isn't it um a, a very um hasn't the world changed i guess is the, the the way to put it um now that we get heads of state announcing things like this on social media on the x platform um first of all that's the first observation here um secondly um, you know, this is a bit confusing because um only in the last week we've heard of how he's been um lobbying European leaders to try and get more money. Um obviously there's the battle going on between the Republicans and the Democrats in terms of the bill in the US, um which the Democrats are trying to tie to the border, which is totally holding um the whole US country to to, to ransom really, isn't it? When you say well we're only going to give money um to the border to protect the people of the us if you allow us to give more money to that bloke over in ukraine um absolutely ridiculous so that battle is going on in the us and it doesn't look like um well the last time i read anyway things are moving quickly it doesn't look like um there's going to be any movement there and he's going to get the money from the us but he has been lobbying european leaders this week we've known that we've heard it in the press so it is a bit of a a turnaround um Is it genuine? Who knows um, in these days of propaganda and the fog of war? This could just be another ruse to um, to, you know, um, lay the foundations for more propaganda. You know that um, Zelensky wants peace, really. He doesn't want to be fighting the evil Putin. But then, you know, I don't know, there'll probably be a missile strike later today and it'll be, oh, look, look what Putin's done in the face of a peace offering. So who knows? I don't know what to make of any of it, Gemma.
2: I did rather wonder off the back of Putin's interview, um, where he he, he ostensibly, Putin, who knows what goes through these politicians heads, you know, you to be a fly on the wall really uh, in, in the room with them. But, you know, Putin was like, listen, we don't want World War three. We don't want to invade anywhere else. We just need to sort this, this thing out on our doorstep. That's all I want to do. Now, is he telling the truth? I don't know. He's a globalist politician. He's a global politician, um, but it, because of his kind of measured attitude Is Zelensky now thinking, oh, maybe I should adopt the same tactic and say, I I don't really want the war either. Sorry about this. You know, Let's broker for peace all of a sudden. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, just after Putin, he's saying kind of the same thing. I did rather wonder that. That was my first initial response when I saw this. Um, But who knows? Who knows? And what is very interesting is this Munich Security Conference, which kicks off today and lasts the rest of the weekend. I just had a quick look. at at some of the things being discussed, already been discussed this morning, Uh, food scarcity and insecurity, uh, that's one of the panel discussions, Uh, power supply chains and and the risks to uh, energy supplies across the world, European nuclear safety, and this afternoon, a very interesting panel discussion called Growing the Pie, a global order that works for everyone and also a panel discussion on decoding disinformation. So the globalists are out in full force in Munich this weekend deciding how to rule the rest of us. Zelensky is there. He's tweeted this. I've no doubt we haven't heard the, the the end of this over the next few days. Maybe we'll have an update on Monday.
1: I mean, this could also, just just while you were talking there, I was thinking, you know, there is clear, I think, that the UK and other countries do not want peace. So um, this could be a threat By Zelensky, because no one's come forward with the money. And he's saying it's almost like using it as a threat to those countries that want this war with Russia to continue Um, that, you know, guys, well, if you're not going to give me the money, then I'm just going to do a peace deal with uh, with Putin. Um, It could be that as well. It could be a coded message to Putin who knows like I said the fog of war um the other thing that's going on at the moment of course we've seen the biggest NATO um exercise um I think that's happening um it's either happening now or it's happening in the next week or so biggest NATO exercise since the Cold War um which is happening um ooh, somewhere in the North Sea or up near um uh, Finland um, and, and that part it's on, sorry
2: it's on the it's on the Estonian border the Estonian border with Russia right, okay. I have actually been I've been covering this story this week myself because we've just sent another fifty one tanks yeah, only this week to that very uh, exercise that biggest Cold War right. we need to exercise yeah yeah so it's ongoing it's not going to stop until May uh, e- even then so yeah you know they're drilling they're drilling for World War Three they literally are holding the yeah. for World War Three that's what they're telling us that's what they're telling us anyway.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you have to take these um, these bits of information that you get with a pinch of salt and try and just ask questions, I guess, given the context around. I certainly wouldn't take it at face value, uh, which clearly you're not either, Gemma. Um, us free thinkers, eh? what a problem we are for the, um, the world's um, elite. Um, right, Gemma, thank you very much. Um, it is Friday, it's the end of the week. I hope you have a great weekend. Um, look forward to speaking with you again next week. Right, to the rest of you, don't go anywhere because I after this short break, we're going to be discussing. Like I said, there's this odd financial explosion going on um, in the crypto market at the moment, which is defying all of the odds in terms of the global um, wider financial markets, which look a bit shaky at the moment. So we're going to be talking all about that and why it's happening. So don't go anywhere. Stay right here with us on TNT. TNT's Pavol Moric. He details factually how. Russia is rolling out
0: the algorithm ghetto, um, you know, the, the, the multipolar edition of the algorithm ghetto, a prototype of a traffic light that records traffic violations by a pedestrian at a crossing was tested in Moscow. So Russians now, they'll, they'll have a, the government will s- take a snapshot of their face and then run that through the databases to figure out who is who and then find them, uh, I suppose. Uh, and then, you know, he, he points out that there are a lot of developments now. Moscow 2030, It's, it's uh, they want to make uh, Moscow achieve smart city status. Uh, and there's just, you know, you, you look at the white papers, Moscow and Russia are all in on Agenda 2030, smart cities, algorithm ghetto, digital IDs. For Voy on today's News Talk TNT. This is generally the view of people, Oh, we don't know much about Assange, but you should know, because whether you know it or not, he is fighting for you.
2: For your courage and leadership and tenacity in journalism and publishing.
3: Since 2010, Assange has been held in progressively narrower, darker, colder and crueler spaces.
4: He has been detained. 7th of December, 2010, in one form or
0: another. And we are now here after years of imprisonment. WikiLeaks is a non-state hostile intelligence service. I think the man is a high-tech terrorist. A high-tech terrorist. A traitor, a treason. He has to answer for, for what, what he has, has done. done. Assange faces up to 175 years in prison for publishing classified documents exposing U.S. war crimes. The U.S. government narrative about Julian
2: is a complete fraud. It is a complete fraud from A to Z.
0: Julian took on the most powerful countries in the world,
3: basically all of them. We now have confirmed that there were plans to kidnap Julian here in the center of London or even assassinate him.
1: No one who instigated that illegal and immoral war has been brought to justice. But the great truth-teller sits behind bars. If wars can be started by lies, peace can be started
2: by truth. Julian Assange is a hero.
3: What if everything we thought we knew about somebody was a lie? Would we be willing to go on a new journey of understanding? This is a story of deception, lies, bravery, and a man who risked everything to bring the truth to light. Mr. Assange shows all the symptoms that are typical for a person that has been exposed to psychological torture over a prolonged period of time. He looked at me intensely and said, I hate to say this. He then hesitated, visibly troubled and searching for words, And then he finally said, please, save my life.
2: May future generations have the ability to speak without restraint. May our children and their children know truth and have access to information that leads to justice. Wherever Julian goes, free speech goes with him.
3: If there is a bird that is about to take flight, Stretch her wings and rule the skies. May it be a peace dove and no longer a bald eagle. If you think Assange is a traitor, he's a rapist, he's a narcissist, he's a hacker, I don't blame you because you have been deceived. And if you think you've not been deceived, that's normal because otherwise it wouldn't be deception.
0: It sounds really good. It sounds real, dude.
1: Not bad, huh? This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right, this is not the first appearance my next guest has made on The Freeman Report. Um, He was on um, the show, I think, towards the tail end of last year. He is a bona fide hereditary prince. He is um, Prince Philip Karajordovich, um, who's, um, like I said, he's been on the show before. Um, Hello, Philip. How are you doing? Hi, James. Good to see you again. Yeah, great to see you and congratulations. Um, Since we last spoke, um, you've had a new addition to your family, haven't you?
3: That's correct. Our first daughter. So we have an older son turning five and now we have a uh, three-month-old daughter. Yeah, so we're growing the family.
1: Wow, and you've actually got exactly the same combination of I have. Actually, I've got a an older son, uh, um, and he's got a younger sister. Um, they fight like dogs and cats, to be honest with you, the, most of the time. But um, how how is how's it all going? Because it is a d- totally different thing, isn't it? The second child.
3: Yeah, yeah. But we were talking before. It's uh, yeah. You, you know what? You're more prepared this time. You know what to expect, and you realise that baby's actually quite uh, resilient. So we're not as stressed as we were last time but the work has definitely increased at home
1: <laughs>
3: yeah like we were
1: just we were just chatting in the, in the break with we were her weren't we and i was saying that you know i remember having conversations with my wife about as menial things as you know should we give him squash or just give him plain water i mean you really do obsess about everything and then the second one comes along by that time you're like was she chewing there oh never mind <laughs> she'll be fine <laughs> yeah okay right okay um, I'm digressing here. Um, uh, Philip, I don't think we need to go into your Royal background. Anyone who wants to find out more about that, please um, um, have a look at the previous show. We did talk about all of that there. Today, we're going to be talking about the crypto market. So, Philip, you did work in the City of London. So, I wonder if you wouldn't mind just very, very briefly telling people what you did and what you're doing now in the crypto market.
3: Sure. Um, I spent almost 15 years in traditional finance, legacy finance, uh, 10 of which was spent on an asset manager in London. I was working in asset management, specifically in a, in a quantitative equities team. I was a portfolio analyst and an investment writer. Uh, I discovered Bitcoin at some point uh, in 2017, thanks to my best friend. And then about 2020, when the pandemic hit, I studied more about Bitcoin and, and I realized that uh, it's actually, it has a lot of potential. So I decided to, to sort of ease out of my, my job in legacy finance, and I've uh, I appeared on on a talk show here in Belgrade where I came out as a uh, as, as a Bitcoin enthusiast, and uh, the Bitcoin community picked up on it. And next thing I know, I was offered a job for Jan Three, which is a company started by Samson Mao, who's a a very well known executive. In uh, we used to work at Blockstream with Adam Back, and now he started Jan Three, which is a a company dedicated to speeding up the process of hyper bitcoinization and nation and nation state adoption and to to, to to uh accelerating uh the use of bitcoin technologies around the world we've just released our new aqua wallet, and we've also got a uh a service of whereby we sell we sell uh, buy and sell bit, um, bitcoin for uh for high net worth individuals uh, companies up to nation states uh, and serviced even by myself even so yeah right now philip Let's
1: talk about, because a lot's changed, um, particularly, let's talk about Bitcoin. Mm. A lot's changed in the last few years, hasn't it? Because you know, when um, I first heard about Bitcoin, it was really a retail market. It was investors, small investors like me, and people with a bit more money than me, um, and a lot of people who were buying weed and other stuff um, <laughs> via Silk Road. Um, it's changed a lot, hasn't it? There's something it that's happened at the start the odds, of this yeah. year so let's we've got to go to the break in a second but if you could just quickly explain to the viewers what's happened at the start of this year
3: the biggest change yes sorry the biggest change that's happened recently is the introduction of spot etfs in the u.s market and that's 11 etfs that exchange traded funds where, where where buyers um investors can get direct exposure not direct but exposure to bitcoin in, in these extreme traded funds, which opens a door to a whole load of either institutional and retail investors at a, at the the um the institutional and sort of um mainstream levels. So it's hit mainstream in a yeah. quite a big way. It- so.
1: Exactly. This is the important thing, isn't it? Because up until now, pension funds, investment management funds, these big global funds with trillions and trillions of money under uh, management, they've not really been able to access Bitcoin because of the custody issues and also because of the regulations around it. But these guys now... Because you've got an ETF, which is... We have ETFs Sorry, by the
3: likes of Black, BlackRock, um, Franklin Fidelity, Van Eyck and things. They said this gives some sort of credibility to Bitcoin. And if they have an ETF, it means that it's been approved by the SEC. And they've given it the, the all clear. So that's opened up the doors, as you said, to a lot of institutional investment investments, uh, pension funds and insurance funds and people who want any sort of exposure to Bitcoin. And that never could actually get it before these pension funds, as like you said, they have uh, due to regulations or in um, in-house issues or something that they couldn't actually buy Bitcoin directly. But now they can via an ETF. I would just like to say it's better to buy Bitcoin directly to buy the actual thing. But this uh, uh, this uh, these ETFs have made it easier for um, institutions and, and retail, some retail clients and, uh, and individuals that couldn't get exposure to Bitcoin to have more direct exposure.
1: Yeah, exactly. Now, very, very quickly, explain why this affects the Bitcoin price. Because the actual funds themselves are just mechanisms oh. that have been created. So, why is it? How, what What is the link between that and the actual the Bitcoin price? That,
3: the link is that they're going to be gobbling up a lot of Bitcoin to match the demand. Um, this is not just this is not just a few a uh, couple of hundred coins here and there. We're talking about uh, ETFs that are gobbling up about nine thousand or more, even more coins per day. I don't know if you're aware of uh, Micro Saturday, Micro Saylor's company. He was averaging, yeah. about, I don't know, maybe in a good month. He was averaging about 14,000 coins in one month. Now that these ETFs are going to be gobbling up thousands of coins a day. And this current supply of Bitcoin by miners every day is about 900. In a couple of months time and that in halving, it's going to be cut to 450. We're going to get the mother of all supply shocks at some point. And you can see it recently in the pre- recent price movement. Now we're pushing into the early 50s. Yes, it did. Uh, when the ETFs were uh, launched, it, it did pull back, but that, I mean, I can explain about that later, but yeah, um, it's very bullish.
1: <laughs> it is, and of course, you know, the, 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 the actual mechanism behind why this drives the price is because when you hold an ETF, whoever manages that, when people invest in the ETF itself, the the manager of the etf has to back up what they've sold with the actual commodity itself because right. there are things like futures markets and all of these kind of things where you don't have to back it up with the commodity so if a billion pound comes into the etf the manager then has to actually buy a billion pounds worth of bitcoin to match that investment in the etf so this is having a huge impact and we're going to go to the break now philip but i guess when the yep. place to start when we come back is what effect has it is as it had so far and what are we expecting to happen this um this year um so don't go anywhere if you're interested in what we're talking about stay with us right here on tnt we have, we have some
2: wonderful news for
1: you tnt radio news matt boyland here with a quick look at your tnt headlines The wife of WikiLeaks co-founder Julian Assange has warned her husband will die if the UK greenlights his extradition to the US next week, where he faces life in prison on espionage charges. The director of the U.S. Food and Drug Administrations admitted the agency failed to accurately inform Americans about the dangers of the COVID-19 vaccines. And the U.S. has claimed Iranian soldiers are on the ground in Yemen, helping the Houthis launch attacks on ships in the Red Sea. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT Radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT Radio. Right. OK, so we've got these spot ETFs in the US now, which have been, you know, this has been in the making for years now. I think the first ap- application for this with the SEC, that's the securities and um I, I forgot. Exchange commission. <laughs> exchange commission. That's it. I got a, a black mind there. Yeah, the Securities and Exchange Commission. I think the first application went in uh, around a decade ago. So this has been in the making for a long time. We've got them now. The market is taken off. Um, what do you expect to happen this year then with prices of of crypto in general, not just Bitcoin?
3: Well, if we take away the ETFs and we didn't have the the, the ETF approval, I would still be incredibly bullish about the price given that in april we will have the halving event that is that for ev- for the um the block reward subsidy gets halved every 4 years and that's happening in april this year and that means that instead of every block every 10 minutes you'll have 6.25 bitcoins uh, as 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 a reward for the subsidy for the miners um expending their energy that's going to get halved to 3.125 so that means we're going to get about 900 coins a day being supplied to about 450. This takes Bitcoin to be, to an be even better um, stock-to-flow ratio. Stock-to-flow ratio is the amount of um, of, of new stock coming in divided by how existing stock. This is going to get a better stock-to-flow ratio than gold. Gold has a very high stock-to-flow ratio, which, which is guarantees its, its scarcity and it's what gives it its price to some extent. Now, Bitcoin is going to have a higher stock-to-flow ratio than gold. So that's just without the ETFs. Now with the ETFs given that the um, that um, a whole huge um crowd of new investors are able to get exposure to Bitcoin by the ETFs as we discussed before we are going to have as i said before a huge amount of accumulation of bitcoins and this is going to get even more exacerbated demand um, not the demand the, the the supply shock after the after the halving so i think we're going to have a very bullish price action later this year at some point um yeah i just want to say this, not just e- it's not just the etfs but we have to think about other companies like uh like, like microstrategy tether and lots of other corporations and even nation states and high net worth individuals. And loads of just us, people like us, have accumulated, have been accumulating and holding on to Bitcoin for, uh, for, for for a year. And that has not stopped there. The, uh, the demand for Bitcoin is still there. But surprisingly, the FOMO is not quite there yet. Even though the price has reached into the early 50s, you don't really hear about it that much. I'm not getting phone calls from my uh, no-coiner or pre-coiner friends saying, hey, Philip, can I? how do I get into Bitcoin yet? <laughs>
1: yeah well the thing is you know it goes up and then it goes down and and you know and you know people i think they they've they've got excited in the past and then they think it's over don't they we've heard that so many times oh i'm not investing in it now it's it's too late um and yep, yet we are just at the Never start too late. <laughs> uh the other thing to mention about the difference between um, bitcoin and, and gold in terms of the supply is that gold whilst it is scarce um, there's a lot of um, evidence which shows actually that scarcity is quite artificial because there are only sort of I think around five big companies that manage the the global gold market and they artificially uh, in many ways um, keep it the scarcity so they can keep the price up right with bit with bitcoin it is very very different because there will it's only ever be 21 million in existence um i think where are we now
3: are we around 19 million 19.8 or nine i haven't really double checked that but yeah so good points about gold Gold has a uh, yeah. fluctuation of about one and two percent plus or minus every year on its ish on, on on new gold issuance i don't it's not as bad as uh the, the um its control is not as bad as the diamond market. The diamond market is com- heavily, heavily controlled by, uh, by you know, the likes of De Beers and and things like that. But gold, gold has much more. Uh, it's much. It's a little bit more de- um, freer. But uh, yeah, Bitcoin yeah. has a monetary schedule supply that's that's set in stone. That's unchangeable for until uh, for, for for eternity, basically
1: exactly and this is the important thing isn't it because these big investment firms now want their hands on this market and to get their hands on it they can't like other markets just create more of it and um, they've got to they've either got to get the new supply coming in or they've got to shake the tree and get us to sell exactly. who, who you know who those people who've got their bitcoin they've got to try and persuade us um to so sell it the, the, the
3: hodlers the diamond hands or the people with that really <laughs> yes. <onto> their coins. <laughs>
1: Now Philip um we've got about um about um, 4 or 5 minutes left. Tell us about because there's some really exciting stuff going on around the world in terms of nations actual nations adopting this as a national currency. Tell us about what's going on.
3: Well you everyone sort of is is aware of El Salvador and their move. They they are an outlier in terms of moving towards um adopting as as legal tender and giving the population the option to use go- um sorry US dollar or bitcoin as as a means as a means of of currency of exchange but we're seeing and as as there's other countries now that are now picking up on the ripple effects of el salvador and their success bukele the president of el salvador was recently voted back in in the elections with 94 i mean that's incredible because of wow. not just the work of, of bitcoin but also his work of cleaning up the streets from the gangs and it's incredible what he's done and that's having ripple effects all over Latin America, and we're having conversations in many parts of Latin America and Central America specifically, where countries are now looking at towards El Salvador and saying we want to we want to we want to have a piece of that really. So this is game theory playing out beautifully. Um, yes, El Salvador. You could argue that uh, that Bukele is acting like a strongman, but like 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 an autocrat or something, like sorry like an authoritarian leader. But no, he's actually just acting normal de- democratic principles and enacting an law. Just turned it into an emergency law to, to to clean up the streets, and it's worked. Now millions of people, I mean millions. Uh, uh thousands of people now moving to El Salvador because of its great um opportunities not just a uh, bit opportunities in spending and spending and and having a bit um being able to freely spend your bitcoins there with no capital gains tax but it's a place now he's actually um lowering the taxes and 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 advancing uh their 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 tech industry there these, uh, these are these this is so I've said that the the advantage of of, of having another Bukele is kind of rare but you see other other countries, other democracies, wanting to then wanting to somehow enact what Bukele has done. And I've, we've spoken to a lot of candidates and people and other leaders that are still in power, thinking of ways of, of adopting Bitcoin. It doesn't have to be through um, adopting it as a as, as as legal tender, but also mining it and using it to um, to provide funds for uh, for infrastructure projects, for example.
1: Yeah, fascinating stuff. It really is. And Philip, we're going to have to get you back on soon because, like I said, the next two years, those of us in the know have been waiting for this, really, for the past three, four years, this this period over the next couple of years where we expect um, global adoption of, of crypto. I'm just looking at the prices now, and Bitcoin's off again. Um, it's at $52,300 um, it is right now. So it's not stopping. It's going to keep on going. And there are some... Um, global investors from like Fidelity that are saying that it would will reach potentially quarter of a million and even half a million dollars in the next few years. So, Philip, if you're happy to, we'd love to why, get you why, back on to talk so in bearish? more detail. <laughs>
3: why so <laughs> <Yes>. bad? <bearish? laughs> well,
1: a million is the target, isn't it? You're absolutely yeah, right. Am... Ladies and gentlemen, um, Prince Philip Karadodjovic, I always get stuck with your name. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Philip thank you.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Prince of Serbia, thank you very much for coming on the freeman report we'll get you back on again soon right we're going to go go to thank you philip right we're going to go to a quick break now um so don't go anywhere stick right here with us on tnt
0: give me a minute with tnt radio's steve Malsberg. by now you probably heard all about the two police officers in new york city's times square that were beaten by a gang of illegal thugs four of them were arrested and released on bail and they're now headed to california and they're probably there by the border of mexico already but there's more to this stuff we haven't heard yet until now there is this one percenter you know criminal element that looks at a different opportunity here these individuals i went over their rap sheets yesterday multiple charges grand larceny robbery attempted robbery grand larceny grand larceny uh this particular crew operated on mopeds and scooters they were doing organized retail theft, they were doing snatches on the street, iPhones, iPads, clothing, so on and so forth. Um, One of them that they are still seeking has 10 charges on one day because he's part of a pattern that's been going on. That's CNN's John Miller. He's a former NYPD deputy commissioner, and he wasn't finished. I'm looking at the dates that their arrest started, which is probably close to when they got here. They've only been here a couple of months. So what the detectives are telling me is they have crews here that operate in New York, do all their stealing, then go to Florida to spend the money and then come back. And I'm like, well, why don't they just stay and steal in Florida? And they said, because there you go to jail. Oh. Great report. Keep us passionate on this. This The silence of the CNN anchors says it all. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Ballsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern time, right here
3: on TNT. I tell my son, I love you every single day. Now My dad has never said that to me, not because he doesn't love me, but because culturally it wasn't comfortable for him. Now that he's a grandfather, he says I love you to my son every time he sees him. My advice to all the fathers out there, forget the cultural restrictions. They grow up way too fast for you to waste even a single precious moment.
1: This is The Freeman Report on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Right. Okay. well, over the past few years, we've definitely seen a growth in people um, that think critically. Um, I think there's more of us that are waking up. And my next guest is critical thinker Sarah Newland. Um, Hello, Sarah. Welcome to The Freeman Report. Hi,
4: James. Hi. Thanks for having me.
1: And I see we've got two guests. You've got your, um, oh, I'm not sure the viewers can see. They'll see in a minute when we go to full screen, but you've yeah. got your dog in the background there.
4: <laughs> he was fast asleep. I, I wasn't expecting him to move, but he's decided to join us. So Yeah,
1: sorry about he, that. He woke, up on, he woke up on cue then, actually, as soon as we went live, he popped his head up. Um, he did. Right, anyway, <laughs> I digress. Um, Sarah, I wonder if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself, telling us, I guess, you know, you've you you, you you've been a writer for a while, you used to write about psychology and criminology. Um, tell us your story on how you started writing about what you're writing about now.
4: Um, well, I think, you know, like lots of people, when the pandemic came, um, I just straight away thought it was all very strange. It didn't make any sense to me. Um, something seemed really off about the whole thing. Um, and I've got a 17-year-old daughter. And when the schools started with all their restrictions and wanting the kids to mask and test every day, and and I, I wouldn't allow her to do that. I was, um, with her agreement, she didn't want to um, participate in any of that either. Um, so it just led me to, to start um, changing my writing to, to write about those issues um, straight away. And also lots of Sort of family, friends, and and um, other other family members who who d- couldn't see the the sort of um, nonsense of it all. Um, I felt that it was important to try and get it in in language that they could um, try and try and think about it from from a different perspective and not just take what the news was saying or what the newspapers were printing. Um, and yeah, that's why why I began really.
1: Yeah, and I've been taking a look at your Substack um, this morning. And we'll we'll um before we go, remind me, we will definitely um tell everyone where to go to find your writings. Thank um you. I've read um you've got a couple of interesting, um so you've got lots of interesting, but the ones I read this morning were Safe and Effective, Other Deceptions, and the Disappearance That Brainwashed Britain. <laughs> um, that will I yeah. find really, really interesting. But let's start with Safe and Effective and Other Deceptions. Tell us what the article's about and what your conclusions um, people can draw from what you've written.
4: Well, I think the thing is that um, with you know, obviously, we've been told time and again since the vaccine came out that that it's safe and effective, um, as well as other vaccines. They're always talking about them being safe and effective. Um, and any kind of phrase like that that gets repeated often enough, people get so hung up on it and so convinced. Um, but then, obviously, the sadly, it's Played out the way that we were hoping to be wrong but but we have been proved right that there are many many people being injured um and people dying from from this vaccine and others um but it's just it, it struck me as from a psychological perspective it was very strange how th- those people that are speaking out about those things are not getting you know with people that are so pro-vax that they're, they're, they're getting vilified really and um people people are so so don't want to believe them for some reason they just don't mm. want to believe that this, this is happening um so i just thought it was really important again to get it down in in a, a sort of um easy to read format that to, for people maybe to look at themselves and think how am i responding to these people who are who are genuinely reporting issues with this you know um
1: yeah and, so yeah it's just and, a look and, at the psychology. Yeah and to those of us in the freedom movement which have been awake for quite some time um mm. you know we've known this this kind of point was coming up but you you've you've I think you've coined it in this sentence here so they were conned by the cruelest of swindlers but they dare not admit it i mean yeah. that i think that that sums up where we are now there's lots of people yeah that I think are waking up to the fact that something wasn't right. I mean, I've spoken to people who don't watch um, new media, who don't read, um, you know, the things that that we're writing, but they know mm. something's wrong and they're starting to yeah. wake up. And it's a real difficult place to be in, isn't it?
4: It really is. It's very difficult. And I think, um, you know, there's still, I, I've still got friends who who think I'm I'm an absolute lunatic, you know, and, um, And can't believe that i didn't take the vaccine um they still fully paid up and think that because i don't know the daily mail or the bbc says something that it must be true um so yeah it's a difficult one i don't know how we break that how we kind of um try and try and spread the message as much as we can um, and make people see that we're not all lunatics we're not mad (laughs) um we just have deep concerns you know
1: and i think i mean my view is that we need to show quite a bit of empathy as well because i know look Absolutely. you know we we were abused called anti-vaxxers yeah. um people were quite horrible people were talking about you know these dangerous people that are killing granny and all of that nonsense um, yeah. and some of the people that are waking up now were, were part of that but i think mm-hmm. we do need to show some empathy i don't know what your thoughts on that because to wake up now and realise that you might have pumped something into your body and maybe, maybe you've had four, five, six shots. I mean, Alan Sugar, yeah. you do mention Alan Sugar. Tell us about what yeah. you wrote about him in the article.
4: I mean, he's he's kind of he just proved yesterday what what is so tragic, really, that, you know, he's taken six, six of these shots. He's quite happy to to say that, you know, again, that's another issue, isn't it? That people suddenly are happy to announce their medical status, which um, is, is a strange, strange um, development. Um, but he's taken six of these and he's he's caught COVID for the second time. And it just it just seemed bizarre to me that he couldn't see the irony of what he was saying, you know, and he's but he he's just doing what so many people um, they can't seem to, to separate those those things in their minds so that they can think about it critically and think, well, hang on a minute, you know, the people that haven't taken this vaccine are not not coming down with this you know it's only Mm. and they so it's just about trying to trying to get that across to people to to look at it from a uh, not just read a headline and think oh that must be true you know um so someone i mean clearly a really intelligent man um alan sugar he's he's a very very wealthy man but he stuck on that point that he can't seem to to think critically there
1: yeah and of course the psyop that people have um, fallen into but i think that's starting to even fall away now is that well it would have been worse you know you'd be exactly. much you might have died if you didn't get the yeah, you okay you've got covid yeah. after getting the vaccine but it would have been worse which obviously we know it is a yeah. load of baloney um Absolutely. i think most of the viewers on tnt know all about this it's a great article though so i definitely encourage people to read it but the one that yeah. really got me it wasn't actually what i was expecting it to be the disappearance that brainwashed britain <laughs> tell us about yeah. this article that you've written sarah um okay
4: so this is another sort of subject that's from a psychological perspective, initially, really fascinates me that um, when somebody uh, when it, when an issue gets wall-to-wall um, MSM coverage, you know, mainstream coverage, people are so quick to just not think about it, just just take what the headline is and let it go in, and just that's that's that. There's no discussion. There's no um, even you know, and and it's just about whether people can see that, that something didn't feel right, you know, something was odd about that case, which is what sparked a lot of um, online sleuths to go and start looking at it and think, well, this doesn't feel right. But of course, then those online sleuths or uh, whatever you want to call them got completely attacked. Um, and I, as I speak about in the article, I think it was used as, a, as an issue to, um, to push forward the the online safety bill or you know to stop people from thinking from being allowed to speak out when they have um doubts or criticisms about um issues that are in the in the mainstream press
1: yeah and of course we're Mm -hmm. talking about nicola bully aren't we who um who went missing and she was missing for quite a while and then Mm -hmm. of course you know it turns out that she um well as the story goes that she'd fallen into the river by accident Mm -hmm. um it was a curious one and I must admit, at the time, I with things like that, I um, because it's such a, a, a narrow kind of um, story, I tend to avoid those kind of things because I'm, I'm aware also mm. that there's families and people yeah. that are involved. But we did see lots of people from even the new media sort of um, sort of a world turning yeah. up near the river r- River on Why, um, and um, yeah. you know thinking that they were suddenly investigative journalists, they were going to crack yeah. this case. It was odd, wasn't it? Tell us about the things which were odd about the case.
4: Well, um, as you say, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not looking to hurt any families. You know, it's it's a case. I, I don't know the real story. I, I don't think any of us know what actually happened. But what was so strange about it, first of all, which always piques my interest, is when a, a, something gets that much coverage. I mean, you couldn't turn on the TV or the radio or look at a newspaper without there being something about this case, um, which always makes me very suspicious anyway. And then there was just the uh, lack of lack of photographs put out, lack of actual real knowledge about this woman. You know, usually we, we do get a lot more information about um, missing people and, and their families and that kind of thing. Um, so, so it was that, but I think really the, the sort of takeaway from it was from that art what I was trying to get across was that we should always be skeptical about these things. And what is the motives of the press for, for hammering on one case, um, so, so aggressively. Um, and I think as you, you've read the article, I, I talk a lot about, there was definitely, um, something around the menopausal woman you know and being of a certain age myself yeah. it obviously <laughs> hit home um and i think uh yeah it, it's that sudden oh look what could happen to you if you don't treat your menopause you know if you don't so i found that really quite um insulting and um i thought it was a real sort of cheap cheap jab of the for the cheap shot for the press to to do that you know to use it for that for those purposes really
1: yeah absolutely um, so yeah, just, just
4: really about people people again trying to make people think critically and look at, at issues from a from a broader perspective and, and using their own thought processes rather than being told and accepting a headline or, or, or um, yeah. a, a presenter telling them something
1: i wonder if i mean i'm you know, I, I, like I said, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about this case, but um after reading your article, I was wondering, you know, if the reason there was such big press interest there is because, you know, whenever you get a missing person and there's a, a question mark over the boyfriend or the husband or the parents, yeah. you know, did they, did they, she's mm. gone missing? Because that was kind of in the background. And there is yeah. something about the human psyche that those kind of things, it's like it draws the interest. Yeah. I wonder if that was actually the reason that kind of there was this interest. But um, I think you're right in the sense that there was lots of twists and turns, and it was quite patronizing at times, wasn't it? Um, yeah. about Nicola, you know, the fact that um there was suggestions that she, I don't know whether it was that she was an alcoholic, but you know, she she drank a yeah. little bit she had menopausal problems because
4: of her menopausal issues she turned to alcohol you know and again it's 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 an insulting thing as a woman of a certain age to be sort of you know infantilized that way as if we can't cope you know we can't cope with this natural process of our body um so we we turn to alcohol or you know it 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 was really quite insulting and and i don't know if you're you um familiar with a few in in the months that followed that case two other women were were found in rivers which, which is again and they were both you know similar ages and there was mention of menopause and struggles and I just find that really um yeah as I say a cheap shot of, of press to kind of go that route um you
1: know yeah it certainly was um Sarah we will have to get you back on at some point I really like your That'd writing style and and also you know you really do ask some really good questions um where can people Thanks. go to to read your work
4: um, so my website is www.criticallythinking.co.uk um, and I'm also on um, Twitter and Facebook, which I think you you put the, my Twitter um, in, in the, the um, post that you put out so they can find me there as well.
1: Fantastic. Well, listen, thank you for coming on The Freeman Report. We'll have to get you back thank on you, at James. some point. Um, Sarah Definitely. Newland, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. R- Right, to the rest of you, don't go anywhere um, and make sure you, um, obviously I've already told you, make sure you post about Julian Assange and support TNT over the weekend. Thank you.